Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, I have a really thoughtful therapist um, as an Instagram account called The Outdoor Therapist um, on the podcast today. And I asked him to come on the podcast because there's so much hurting in the world and there's a need for hope and healing. And a lot of that comes through the principles that therapists teach us. And I've been to a therapist twice in my life and I learned so much about how to better take care of myself and also better to help others. And um, sometimes I wish I'd redone my degree at BYU back in the eighties and gotten more expertise in this area. But um, Welcome to the podcast, Zach. How do we say your last name? Hazlett. Hazlett, H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. And his first name is Zach, Z-A-K. I want to say Zed because I served a mission in England and we say <laughs> Zed's there. Um, Zach is 29. He's single. He's a BYU undergraduate. He's a BYU... Um, has a graduate degree in family therapy. He is a therapist and relationship coach. We'll link to his Instagram account that has its um, 78,000 followers. And as I've been following his Instagram account, he does um, part of his um, platform is he'll just go outside and record really thoughtful, not long comments. And um, they don't need to be long to really be impactful. I've read a few of them, uh, maybe 10, and each of them are really thoughtful and insightful. And it's people like Zach that give me hope for the future because his whole mission is to bring hope and healing and love and understanding. And he is a peacemaker. That is one of his um, Christ-like attributes. He has a really unique background of of growing up on rivers, I think, in Utah. And that's part of his wiring. He's very comfortable in the outdoors. He uh, makes his home in Moab, Utah. Um, and so I love the way he's taken his upbringing and now his sort of desire to bring more understanding and his education work and his, you know, is a therapist and relationship coach. And um, I just am really excited for him to be on the podcast. I believe it helps all of us to hear principles that Zach will share with us, as well as his own story of how he got in this space and and what his hopes are for the future. He's also, as part of his graduate work at BYU, as you know, there's a, probably know, there's a BYU counseling department and um, all students go there, but some, some of those students are obviously LGBTQ students. And Zach got connected to that group of Latter-day Saints from a therapist standpoint and um, just spending a lot of time um, with LGBTQ people. And now he probably has some clients as a therapist. Um, this is an LGBTQ themed podcast. So I think Zach will talk a little bit about that. Um, and um, just looking at my notes here, but anyway, is that okay for an introduction, Zach? Yeah, no, I think that's great. Thank you. So I'd, I'd love you just to start with, um, it, it, maybe I'm going to have you start just way back at being, tell us before we get into just what you do professionally, talk a little bit about that background, um, just growing up with I think parents that were used to being on the river and just talk about that experience and meeting people from all over the world and how that may have given you tools going forward. Yeah, no, that's a, a great place to start at the beginning. Um, I mean, so I was, I was born and raised, like you mentioned, along the rivers here in Utah, <laughs> the Colorado, and my parents actually met as river guides while they were in college and fell in love and have been on the river ever since. So I've grown up literally spending months and months of my life every summer on the river. And the reason I think that has been so impactful on me is because people from all walks of life, from all countries and, and places and cultures come to recreate in Moab. And so I've been able to just observe and see and learn so much from so many different people and also it's kind of this this social experiment that as i look back on it i saw so many relationships and friendships and family dynamics and was able to just kind of i didn't i didn't realize at the time that i was observing and gathering all this this data basically but it helped me just see how people work in a very human very real very live setting um that's outside of my own life i think a lot of times we get caught up in what's going on for us that we 
don't really pay attention so much to other people. But in this setting, because I am a guide and was a guide and was taking care of these people and making sure they were okay, I was spending a lot more time focusing on them than an average setting, right? And so it was it was a really beautiful way to grow up with a lot of really cool interactions and really amazing people that I've met that were some of the most kind and loving and caring people. Um, and just seeing the difference in how people treat others and how their relationships are was fascinating to me. Like there's definitely, before I became a therapist, before I've done research on it, I could just see like the correlation between kindness and healthy relationships and communication and healthy relationships and how they talked to and about one another. So that was, that was pretty impactful for as far as growing up and me becoming who I am today as, as part of like that process. Talk about, um, your decision. Talk about, I, I've written down here what your undergraduate degree is, family studies and psychology, but just talk about as you began your major at BYU and then to go into graduate work, were you pretty clear this is what you wanted to do or it might be helpful for just younger people because you're sort of past your graduate degree. Just to talk a little bit about right. your career choice. Cause I assume you could be a river guide and maybe you do that too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my career choice, I definitely wasn't like dreaming like, Oh, I'm going to be a therapist someday when I grew up. Right. I was just like everyone else. I wanted to be a, you know, like a, a movie star or a fireman or something. Right. I had all of those things. And then, the classic BYU mold of like do business. And then I thought, Oh, I could do business and it'd be great. But I was always just like turned off by the things where people would treat others super poorly or like the backstabbing talk behind your back type of stuff. And in business, not all businesses this way, but in general, it just didn't feel as wholesome as I liked it and it, it made me a little uncomfortable. So I was like, ah, maybe there's something else. And so originally my plan was to just do the river rafting company forever. But then I realized that, okay, that's during the summer. If I do something in the winter to help build my skill set to add value to these rafting trips, I can make it a better experience for people. And so some of my, um, Dr. Lauren Barnes, she's at, at BYU. She actually, she's a friend of mine and she said, Hey, why don't you, apply for grad school to be a therapist. And then you could like do couples trips and, and individual retreats and women's and men's and whatever it is. Right. And I was like, that would be cool. So I went into it thinking it would be cool. And then that changed pretty quickly as I started to actually meet with people and, and sit with them in some of their most difficult experiences. And I realized that this isn't just a cool thing, but it's an absolute necessary and powerful thing. It's really interesting. I think I love just the principle there of following your dreams and your dreams are a little outside the box. There could have been people along the way that says, Zach, you know, how are you going to support a family in this path or make a lot more money in this path? Or, you know, I don't know if those voices are around you, but I love the way you just um, trusted yourself and your unique backstory to get to where yours is making the rest of your story possible. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I always, it's funny. I, I've never been top of the class. I've never been the smartest person in the room. And when I applied to BYU, I thought for sure with my test scores and stuff, no way I'll get in. And so I remember kind of like making this deal with God, like, Hey, if I get into BYU, I will do everything possible to help other people have a good experience there and to like, just help because I knew that's something I could do. I knew I wasn't going to be the the smartest person and do crazy stuff with academics, but I knew I could help people enjoy where they are a little bit more. That is something that I knew I had a gift for. And so I got in somehow and I've tried to do my best to make that happen. And obviously I'm not perfect and I have done things and said things that have hurt people also, but I, I try to learn from those mistakes and become a better version of me so that I can help uplift others. Talk about um, the decision to start this Instagram account that's really taken off and to marry kind of your your passion and your childhood upbringing and your love of the outdoors with your work as a therapist. Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone who goes and looks, I mean, a month ago I had 
800 followers and now I'm almost 80,000 in, you know, that short of time. And it, I don't think it has anything to do with me as a person necessarily, rather with my intention behind it. And the idea was I, all of the things that I say and do on there are, are basically messages that I say to myself and remind to myself constantly, or that I've, you know, had conversations with friends or people with, um, that I needed to hear. And so I say them in a way that is kind and gentle and caring and also powerful so that people can understand the importance of actually feeling it and believing it. And ultimately I just, I just wanted to be the friend to so many people on Instagram that I wish I had for myself at times in my life when I was going through hard things. Uh, because we all go to Instagram for or social media for different reasons, sometimes to waste time, sometimes to dissociate or, or get away from something we're feeling. And oftentimes like the content on there is not super uplifting or empowering. And so I saw a need for things to be a little more empowering and a little more loving and a little more kind and gentle. And that's what I decided to do. And apparently it's, it's pretty powerful and pretty needed because it has, it has grown a lot. Um, here's a post, listeners. I'll just read one. When you love someone, you accept and cherish them exactly as you are. You also celebrate their growth with them. And then I, that loving yourself is no different. You accept you for you and also celebrate the growth and becoming. So much happiness is found when you accept and love who you are while also working to become the best version of yourself. Remember, you are doing the work for you and no one else. So I just love the way sometimes we're a lot kinder to other people than we are to ourselves. And you just succinctly put that into, you know, one short Instagram message. And I think you put a video with the same content. Um, listeners, as I've been reading through Zach's Instagram, you have this gift of writing. So you can take um, concepts like this and put them into words that resonate with everyone. Um, you could talk more about your Instagram account if you'd like to, or you could talk about general principles. Um, just, you know, general, if you're talking to people generally about, you know, the things you've learned as a therapist and the general things you share with them, you could talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, for the sake of not sounding self-promoting, I'd go look at it if you want to. It's happy to, you know, share those things with you. But like I say, it was mostly made for me to remember those messages and for people to hear, you know, some inspiration and, and that they're worth it. And I guess my guiding principles of who I am as a person, and it's funny, this year, my word for the year is alignment. And the reason I chose that as my word for the year is I recognize things and places in my life that weren't aligned with what my intentions were or what my goals or desires were. And sometimes my words didn't line up with my actions either. And in recognizing that, I realized like that is how people get hurt is when we aren't aligned with who we really are. And that is also how people struggle to feel like they can be themselves when they're trying to be one thing. And I, there's this, this idea that I love that the more we try and become what other people think we should be, the further we get from who we actually need to be in life. And that's a, a difficult thing to grasp, but as you align yourself and let go of what other people think you should be and really just lean into loving yourself and, and working towards what it is you want to achieve and accomplish, then you become more aligned. And that's guided a lot of, of my things that I do because my main principles are, I want to love and I want to be kind and I want to help and in return, I also would like to be loved, right? I'm trying to be the person that I wish that I had for me or the friend to others that I wish would be a friend to me. And in doing that, I feel like it's guided a lot of my actions and interactions with people. And I've learned, I've been so grateful to learn 
from so many different people's experiences that are that are so unique and different than mine and get a glimpse into what they go through and how they've gotten through it and it is really empowering and humbling to see how strong people are I love that word alignment. Talk more about why it's hard to do that sometimes. And because sometimes there's expectations, cultural expectations or family or society or church expectations that I don't know if this is the right vocabulary sometimes cause, cause us to, it's harder to be aligned or um, this is, you know, I hope I'm phrasing that question in a way. I think you can run with it. Yeah, no, I think I can, I think I can run with that. Um so I think a big thing that people struggle with is we live in a, a society in a world and in Utah, but the culture also is there's a lot of shame and guilt in it of like, if you aren't this way, then you aren't enough. And like, that's, that's a the most common theme among people that I talk to friends, family, you know, people in therapy, whatever it is, like you, you will never be enough of someone else's version of you. Wow. And, and that is, hundred percent true. You will never be able to fulfill what other people think that you should be because it's not actually who you're supposed to be. And letting go of that is hard because there's, there's this, the shame and guilt, like I talked about that holds us back and makes us feel like we can't be our normal selves or our whole selves. We have to be something else. And I think in order to, you know, combat that a little bit, learning, learning to, uh, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this, but learning to let go of, of the things that are out of our control and create boundaries and protection for ourselves and, you know, go in a direction that is more authentic and true to ourselves. But it's also hard to do because it's counter culture, right? It's against what we have grown up feeling and, and doing. And sometimes it's counter commandments or God even is how we perceive it. Right. And so that's a huge pressure and it's a really impossible battle. It's an impossible uphill battle to fight against something that's so powerful using shame and guilt to drive us because those will never be enough to actually empower us. And so a big guiding principle for therapy and like working with people is and, you know, I, it's funny, I kind of learned this lesson from my dogs, actually, <laughs> where a dog will listen to you when you call them if you have a treat for them, right? It's like this positive reward type of thing where we spend so much time trying to like beating ourselves up and trying to get ourselves to become something because we feel bad. We'll never actually, that will ne- that's never lasting. Uh, and so what we need to do is reward ourselves for all of the things that we are doing well and working towards and being proud of ourselves and talking, speaking kindly to ourselves in order to really get moving forward because we will always be stuck. Shame and guilt always will keep us stuck to some degree. How do we get in these cycles? Great, great answer. How do we get in these cycles where we don't speak kind to ourselves? (laughs) Oh, that's a a big one that I am currently still working hard on. And there's this concept within a lot of psychology of the inner child. And I'm sure most people listening have, have heard of that, but basically you can imagine yourself as a six-year-old, right? A six-year-old version of you where you're pretty protected from the world around you. Like you're pretty unaware of what's going on or what people say. You just kind of are living life freely and being yourself. And then as we get older, we start to hear the messages that people and things and society around us think that we should be. And so we start to put up this defense, this shell around that inner child to protect it, right? We, we feel, and I'm putting up air quotes on that, like we feel like we're protecting it. When in reality, what we're doing is we're dampening our actual real realist version of ourselves. And so we're, we're stuck. We're stuck as this inner child. And as life goes on, the messages that are received. So like, if I'm saying my adult version of me right now as Zach, there's big Zach and little Zach, I choose what message I send to my inner child. And if someone says that I am not good enough or what I'm doing is bad, or, you know, you are broken, 
then I can choose to send that message to my inner child as well and deliver it or change it. And that's something that requires practice and intention. But our inner child doesn't hear any of those messages. It only hears what we tell it. And so flipping that script and being kind to ourselves and saying, hey, you know, you are enough. You're doing just fine. You're doing the best that you can with what you've got right now. Keep going. I believe in you. Like those are the messages that we have to consistently send there because our our behavior outwardly as, as Big Zach, as, you know, our adult selves is going to respond and react based off how our inner child feels. So if we send a message that we are confident and capable and doing the best that we can, and we've got this, then the inner child will send that back out into our bigger child uh, or bigger self to then have confidence and to then believe in ourselves and to then keep moving forward. And obviously that construct is like, much, much more complex than that. But that was kind of just the simple explanation of how we get in that pattern. If for years and years and years, we say those things, our body is listening to us. Our inner child is listening to every message that we send it. We don't look pretty enough. We're not smart enough. We're not kind enough. Like we, we begin to believe that because that is what we tell ourselves. A really thoughtful answer. Talk to parents that, um, are aware of this challenge and want to have Zach, older Zach kind of match younger Zach. And I'm not saying parents are totally responsible for this challenge sometimes, but this is the kind of conversation I wish I'd had before we raised six kids is sort of what can we do knowing we won't be perfect and society and other things can influence our kids, but just advice for parents that want to not make mistakes parenting um, so their kids um, just feel better about who they are and own who they are versus expectations about who they should be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm not a parent myself. And so I'm not claiming to to know these things from my experience as a parent, rather from working with lots of families and people that come to me in their time of need and then ask. And so this is kind of this preventative answer of like, just be meeting, meeting kids where they are. This is actually a lesson that I learned from my mom with, you know, myself and with my other siblings of she, there were times where, and if she listens to this, she'll laugh at, at this, but there were times where she tried to tell us where we should be and what we should be doing. And there were times where she met us exactly where we were and sat with us and cried with us. And looking back, those moments were the most powerful moments for me personally and our the most powerful moments in any relationship because kids are trying and parents are trying and neither are perfect. And I think sometimes kids, any, any younger teenagers or anyone listening to this, but anyone who has parents probably have this conversation anyway, like knowing that this is their first time being a parent also, just like it's your first time being a child and giving yourself some, some grace and allowing, you know, those mistakes to be made, but learning from them and, trying to just meet people where they are and listening, you know, listen, learn, love, like your, your podcast, like there's a reason you call it that because listening to what's going on for them, trying to learn why it's impacting them the way it is and, you know, understand better what they're experiencing and then just love them. However that looks right. Sometimes loving looks like letting them learn lessons on their own. Sometimes loving is giving them information and feedback and helping give them direction. Right. But getting to a place where you can, you can ask them what they, what they feel like they need. And if they say, I don't want to talk to you, letting that happen, you know, it's, it's this weird thing where it's so against everything that we think, but that gives them space. And it's, it's like this boundary. It's like this respect. If you do that, then they realize, Oh, they actually listen to me. And then maybe they come back, right? And everything is unique and different. And like I say, not claiming to know this from my personal experience as a parent, rather what I have observed working with families as a therapist, uh, meeting them where they're at is so important. Talk about, um, I think I mentioned in the introduction that part of your work, graduate work at BYU, which I'm glad they do, is you become, you have experience being a therapist. Um and BYU is a really good counseling center. And so you worked there for, I don't know, a year. I don't know. You can tell us how long you worked there. 
But as part of that, you had LGBTQ BYU students just talk about that experience and, you know, as an ally, kind of what you learned about that group of people and just give voice to their experience and why we can better support them or anywhere you want to go with that question. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that is really something that was so impactful and eye-opening for me um, just as a person. And I think deepened my ability to love so much was seeing how much heartache and pain people were going through within the LGBTQ community um, and not really feeling like they have a place to go with that. A lot of times not feeling safe in their own homes or with their parents, um, not, not even because their parents were bad necessarily, like they were good parents. They just still didn't feel safe because that parent dynamic is a little tough sometimes. And sitting, sitting in, in the room as people are, you know, breaking down, and just sharing the deepest, hardest parts of their lives and their pain was this very sacred experience of just being able to be there and not knowing myself the answers and not knowing how to like help them necessarily, but just being a place where once a week they could come and they could cry and I would listen and I would try to understand and I wouldn't try to tell them it's all going to be okay because I, I don't know if it's all going to be okay and just be there for them. However, that needed to look, um, was, was really powerful. It was really, really powerful. It's great. Keep talking. <laughs> um, I, I remember one, one certain experience it was at. So after that, I was reflecting on it and I had this just moment of like, wow, this is complicated. And I just went through everything that I could, like trying to figure out, talking to other therapists and other people to try and get inside of like, how could I navigate this type of situation or like what, you know, trans people within the church or LGBTQ in, in any form, like anyone part of the like queer community, like how, how do I navigate this and how do I help as a, as a professional and just being stumped, right? Just, just not really knowing can be kind of hopeless. And it was really hard for me to, to come to terms with that. But then I realized I had this realization of the, the gospel slash God and Jesus Christ and their love is so all encompassing and so powerful that I don't need to know all the answers. I don't need to even try and fix situations. I can just try and love as fully and as powerfully as I possibly can. And that could be the difference in that person's life. Wow. Why can that be the difference in someone's life? I think that can be, <laughs> I get emotional talking about this. I think that can be the difference in someone's life because we never know what people are going through. We never know the depths of what kind of suffering or what kind of struggles a person is facing and you saying, hi, how are you? You know, is there anything I can do for you? Just wanted to let you know I'm here for you as a friend, right? Not even as a therapist, just as a person that can be the difference in someone's life, whether it continues on or not. And you never know, when you are going to be the, the angel that saves them in that moment. I love that listeners and being a therapist is different than being a parent. Um, being a therapist is different than being a local leader. If you're a local leader and have queer um, people coming to you, but some of the principles apply. And as Zach talks, I just, I guess I invite you to reflect on what we can all do. Um, I think you kind of became known as a safe person within BYU counseling. You had enough experience with LGBTQ students that um, you just became known as a safe person. And, and that is, a, you, you may not like me saying that about you, but I, and so part of it, I think is what can we do as parents and as local leaders and as friends just to be known as a safe person. So, we can have these kind of discussions. You can have the kind of experiences that Zach's having 
And we don't have any of your students on the podcast, obviously, but I would guess that love they felt helped sustain them um, when they needed to be sustained. Any any thoughts on that? That's sort of a statement slash question, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the same thing of like, people don't know how much, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when someone truly feels how much you care and love them, they will come to you for help. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned through all of this is I, I want to create a space in life in general where people feel like they can come to me for help if they need it. And I don't have to be the one like saying, hey, if you do this, your life will be better. Or if you do this, you won't feel as bad, right? Because nobody wants to hear that if they don't feel like you actually care. And so from a parent standpoint, leader standpoint, friend, anything, like whatever, whoever you are, wherever you are, trying to do that more, trying to listen rather than tell or speak, uh, trying to understand uh, where they're at rather than explain to them where they're at. I think that's a big one that I, that I learned as well, where we think sometimes because we've gone through things and experienced a lot of things that we know better right? We've been around longer. And I think this is a hard one with parents too, where parents do know a lot and they have been through a lot, but that doesn't mean that they've been through the same thing that their child is going through. And so listening and, and trying to understand what they're going through, then you can see what things you actually connect on and they can feel safe. And then if the opportunity presents itself for you to share, or if they ask you, this is a big one of like, if they want you to talk to them about stuff, then that's when it's so powerful, right? When they come to you for help and you give it to them, that is the most powerful thing that we can do, I think. It's really powerful. I think of church leader quotes where they've talked about love is the healing balm. And there's a lot of good content in our church about the importance of love. Um, it's a divisive time in the world. So um, talk about, you know, you're an outdoors guy. You're, you know, you don't look like the kind of guy that would say love very easily in our culture. I'm trying to frame this up that it's a, it's okay to be a macho guy and say love. Um, that's a Christ-like attribute and that's part of manhood. I don't know if you want to run with that because sometimes culturally men are defined in a certain way that doesn't allow the conversations you're having. Yeah, no, I love that. It's funny for those listening. Like, I mean, if you don't see me on my my Instagram page, like beard, long hair, yeah. kind of, you know, scruffy. You belong but, in the rivers of Southern Utah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I did a I did a post the other day that was something that I wrote, and I guess I could probably just say it of like, I I won't apologize for being gentle, and I will never apologize for being kind. I won't apologize for loving softly. Because in a world that values strength and toughness, the strongest thing a man can do is create a space that's safe and protected, but filled with love and kindness too. And that is what I live by because true, true strength. And I mean, masculinity, obviously people will argue with this or whatever, but being powerful and not needing to use it, having a strong voice and never needing to raise it right? Being physically strong and never having to be or being able to control and never having to the need to control. Like those are all things that I think are so powerful. And as we embrace that gentle side of us, um, I mean, Jesus wept, right? That's a scripture where I always will, will bring that out of like, oh, real men don't cry. I'm like, no, Jesus wept for days and days sometimes. And, and felt the pains of everyone. And that is how we can love better as, as, you know, as men with our masculinity, like helping people feel safe, not just physically, but emotionally. That was one of the better segments ever done on this podcast. I mean, I don't feel impressed. I, I do have things you'd like to talk about. I haven't. That's sometimes a question. Instead of asking a question, I'll just say to a guest, just talk about what you want to talk about. Um, 
I, okay. I think there's one thing that I just thought of actually, as I was saying that, where this was actually maybe a defining moment in my life. Um, and it was when I was younger, my, my freshman year of high school. So going way back, you know, fresh high school's tough. High school is very hard. And my freshman year, I had some really good experiences with people being very kind and loving to me. And I had some really hard experiences of people being very mean. And those hard experiences were crushing, right? And those good experiences gave me hope. And I feel like that's symbolic of how life is. We have some very difficult interactions with people and some really hopeful and positive interactions. And as time went on, you know, I'm learning and growing into who I want to be and making mistakes and learning and growing. And my senior year, my buddy and I, we, we decided that we wanted to memorize everyone's names in our whole school, freshmen to seniors. And this is Moab, it's a small town. There's like a hundred people in every grade, but we were, you know, in student government stuff. And we're like, Hey, how cool would it be to be able to like be the friendly seniors, right? These, these two guys that like are really kind to everyone. And like thinking back on my experience, like that changed my life. Like they, they kept me going. And I remember it was, you know, one of the first week of school and we walked through, I walked through the freshman hall and there was a girl there that had her books were on the ground and she seemed a little disheveled, right? She seemed like she was a little frazzled and had a lot going on. And I just like bent down and said, Hey, and I called her by her name and asked if I could, you know, help her with anything. And she's like, Oh no, I'm okay. I was like, Oh, don't worry. And then I was like, how are you doing? How's the first week of school been? You know, just trying to like be the friend that I wanted to have that I wished I had. Right. And I walked with her to class and we talked a little bit about life and she talked about her dog and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she, she made it seem like things were going well in her life. And I said, Hey, it was really good to meet you. If you ever need anything, let me know right? I'm, I'm around. If you ever see me, like say hi, and I'll try and do the same. I hope you have a good year. And I saw her occasionally and we'd, we'd say hi and, you know, I'd see her at sporting events or whatever. And it was just like a little, we never hung out. We were never like best friends or anything. And so I leave for college and, you know, mission and stuff. And then I come back and it's graduation that year for her, right? She's a senior now at this, at this point. And I'm there for graduation and she sees me in the crowd after, and I I hadn't seen her, but she sees me in the crowd and she comes running up to me and I hadn't seen her for three, four years. Right. And gives me this big hug, which was funny because like we hadn't interacted really other than like a Facebook message here and there or something. And she gives me this big hug and tears start going down her face. And she says to me, you know, I'll never forget that day in the hallway when you saved my life and her life was really hard and she never told me any of that. And I never really knew any of that, but she said that that moment helped her feel like she mattered enough to someone to keep going. And that was, (laughs) that was a pivotal moment. Obviously like the action of talking to her, was a good thing that I did. Right. But learn what I learned from that years later was where I really changed how I viewed people and things where you never know what someone is going through and a simple smile, a hello, how are you? Let me know if I can do anything for you. I'm here for you. Like that can literally save a life. And knowing that that much, that those words have that much power it just, there's, I can't imagine not using that for good and not leaning on that. And so I guess my invitation to, to everyone listening and people who are struggling to feel it themselves, like being that for someone else and having someone be that for you is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And so when you see someone just assume that they're going through it and treat them as such, Right. Just assume that, assume that they are going through probably one of the hardest times in their life and make sure that what you're doing is going to be helpful and not hurtful because that's going to be the difference one way or the other. I love that story. 
powerful story, but such a simple thing you did and how meaningful it was for somebody else. Yeah. More things that just come to your mind, Zach. Oh, man. That one always gets me uh, overwhelmed, I guess. Something else that I have been seeing as a common theme throughout my my work that I do and just people in general is when when we see someone or use something and choose to find the the fault or the negative in them the only person that affects is us and this is this is powerful because this is why nobody likes to be talked about behind their back or no one likes to be judged or criticized or whatever but most often it's a reflection of our own insecurities or things. So when we see someone that's doing something that maybe we wish we were doing, or we feel like their life is better than ours, or we feel like some jealousy, I I guess I just always like to encourage people to like look back on, on yourself and think what things can I do in my own life to love myself more. Right. And one of the important things and think ways that we can do that is by supporting and encouraging other people and this is this is something that I saw with someone on social media. He posted, he said, hey, if you have a friend that does art or writes poetry or whatever it may be, let's let's celebrate them, right? Let's comment on their stuff and let's help them feel loved and encouraged. And like, maybe they'll do more because of that. And that's like a, a very tangible thing to do. But like that idea of seeing people as someone else that's in a human experience trying to become a better version of them, like no good for you or them comes from trying to like tear them down. Absolutely none. In fact, it even hurts you more than it probably hurts them. And so even though it's a quick fix, like if you see someone that's doing something great, it's much easier to just like tear them down or talk trash on them, but it doesn't help you or them at all. Whereas if you are supportive of them, it's going to build you up because that's, that's a psychological fact where when we help other people, feel validated, we then feel like we are doing, why do you think service is such a powerful thing and something so talked about within like the church? Because serving and loving other people helps us to feel like we have purpose, right? Because in a world where you can be anything, be kind, right? That's one of my favorite quotes. I don't remember who said that, but in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And that will carry you through some of the hardest moments of your life. Um, we kind of touched on this with that earlier story, but, um, we may have listeners that are thinking of suicide, have a plan that have suicidal ideation, and they may feel like they don't belong anywhere. They may feel falsely that everybody would be better off without them. So they're in a really dark place. And I realize this is a general podcast talking to people, but what would generally, I know it would be different in a one-on-one situation. You don't want to be like, you know, have the perfect answer for everybody. But what generally would you say to somebody who has suicidal ideation and feels that way? I mean, it's it's so hard because it's a, it's a podcast and it's just like social media where I can't be physically with them, but just yeah, you matter and you are worth it and keep going like you, you, you need to be here. Like being here is so important and powerful and you have so much to offer and and believe in yourself. And it's, it's hard too, because there's so much shame around all of that and depression and, and suicidality and ideation that is so hard because people's lives are so hard and no one actually knows what they're going through. And so I even would say like the shame that's carried with it is, I wish that people could see how much they matter and how much they are worth. And I wish I could just hug everyone and, and, you know, cry with them and help them feel that. Um, talk about, um, you're, you're 29, I'm 63. <laughs> There's a lot of pain in the world. And sometimes I get discouraged with the amount of pain in the world and the increased divisiveness. Um, and, how do you feel about the future? I don't want to make you, that's sort of a negative introduction. Yeah. I still have hope for the future when I meet people, you know, the Gen Z's and millennials generally give me hope for the world. 
and they seem to be more wired for kindness, compassion, and inclusion. And yeah, you know, so I talk think, about your feelings about the future. That's a good question. Um, there's obviously like toxic positivity is this phrase <laughs> in quotes that's like, oh, everything's going to be fine. It'll all be okay. It's like, I, I believe in realistic optimism. <laughs> and that concept is it's okay for things to be hard. In fact, it is absolutely normal for, for moments of our life to be really, really painful and really, really difficult and still know that there is beauty on the other side. That as we push through those difficult moments, we are actually growing. And without that resistance, it's just like if we are climbing up a hill on a hike or something, without that resistance, we don't get stronger. And as we keep moving forward, things don't get easier in our lives. We just get stronger and more capable of overcoming them. And that is something that is important to hold on to and, and a powerful concept to think about for the future, at least where I look back at a few years ago where I was and where I am now, man, there's things that I have said about me or whatever people say things that a couple years ago would completely wreck me. Whereas now I just know like that's something on, on them or that's something they're struggling with. It's reflected. And I'm able to kind of do that because I've gotten stronger. Right. And I think something that also is, is hard, but important to realize is we can't just go along life blocking everything and everyone that everything that people say out, we owe it to ourselves to be aware enough to recognize our struggles and recognize our weaknesses and mistakes and things that we've done wrong and use them as information because a mistake only becomes an, an error if we refuse to correct it, right? It only becomes a black mark on our record if we don't learn from it. And so if we take all of these things that we've done to hurt people, and like I am, the, I will be the first to say that I have done and said things that have hurt people seriously. And I hate that I've done that. But if I just hold on to the pain of and guilt of feeling like I'm a terrible person and I don't learn anything from it, then I will stay in that same spot. But if I look at it and be like, hey, what, what can I do to reconcile with them? And then what can I do to forgive myself to move forward? As I've helped like myself lean into that, I look back at the growth I've been able to make. And it is the most powerful thing, seeing who I was and who I am and who I hope to become in a few years down the road. Like growth is so beautiful and so painful and everything that we want to change and do in our life is going to be hard. It's going to be painful and it's going to suck at times, but it's going to be so worth it because the version of ourselves that is going to look back on that moment is going to be so proud of who we've become. Use mistakes as information. You know, that was so positive. That last segment was also honest and very self-aware, but it was so positive. I just look at I look at Christ's ministry. I don't see any shame in his ministry. I see hope. I see perspective. I see mortality from our doctrine as a, as a chance to learn. But this idea is using mistakes or transgression or sin as information to me is sort of how God would put his arm around us in when we're really down on ourselves and talk like you just talked to our listeners, just with hope and perspective and honesty. And I think... He's more interested in what we do next than if we make a mistake, is my personal opinion, listeners, is, you know, what that's, as I'm maturing as a parent, I'm sort of in our, I wish I'd, you know, sort of this, you know, what is a kid messes up in some way? What did you learn from this? And how can I help you? And um, versus what were you thinking? And, you know, some of the shaming comments I'm sure I made as a parent, it would be, and I just think that's so thoughtful and Anything we do, just there's no shame in that statement. Use mistakes as information um, versus some of the shaming comments. And so oftentimes to your post I read, we can be harder on ourselves when it comes to shame and self-loathing and um, thinking we're never good enough versus, you know, what you said in that post and what you said in that last segment. More thoughts, Zach, on this subject or anything else. You're the kind of guest I don't want to ask 
because I just think you can unaided have some really good stuff for our listeners. <laughs> oh man, so much fresher. No, I, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking of, you know, that idea that forgiveness. So I had, I had one reel on Instagram that went pretty viral that has, you know, over 3 million views. And I said, you, you have to forgive them, not because what they did is okay. And absolutely not because you're letting them back into your life, but because the pain that you're holding on to is keeping you from getting to where you want to be. And in psychology, the definition of forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It's your intentional, um, intentional, or how do I, I I'm going to paraphrase this, but like an intentional act of letting go of anger or resentment towards another person for you. And that's, that's how I perceive forgiveness of like, there are some things that, you know, we'll say are like unforgivable. And as we hold on to those things throughout our whole life, and this is a very complex thing and healing and, and growth has no timeline. So for anyone listening, like if you need to hold on to that anger or that pain to, to hold the maintain a boundary and to keep yourself safe, especially in like an abusive situation or whatever it may be, this, this doesn't apply right now for everyone. But that idea of like letting yourself let go of things that have hurt you is for you. It is not for the people that you are quote unquote forgiving. It is for you to be able to release yourself from that, that weight that you carry. And I think that's a powerful thing, especially in a, in a culture of guilt and shame and, and hard things where intentional or not, if we continue to hold on to those things, it will continue to be something that is hard on us. And once again, I say this knowing that is a very complex thing and hold on to the pain as much as you need to. Um, but if that's something you're working on doing of, if you're working on letting go, really leaning into that idea that it's for you, it is, it is for you to be able to heal and grow and move forward, um, is a powerful thing. I love that. Talk if you, like to just some general principles about how to do that. Yeah. Um, and I realize I think, that's so person specific and I love the way you gave space that you may not be willing, it may not be the right time to do that. So don't feel guilty for that. You, and obviously if there's a boundary there, you need a boundary, but I do like the overall principle of learning to forgive. So not for them, but for you. Yeah. I think a couple of things is like, first and foremost, like acknowledging what you're feeling. Like if it's anger, if it's frustration, if it's, you know, you're just genuinely pissed off at someone for what, like, how could they do this to me? Acknowledging that like, that is okay for you to feel like that feeling that you have every emotion we feel is, is information. And all those, those emotions that we feel are going to help us navigate how to move forward if we let them. And I think that's something that we struggle with sometimes is we'll block out emotions, we'll dissociate, we won't want to feel sad because it sucks to feel sad and cry a lot, or we won't want to feel angry because I'm not an angry person, so why should I feel angry? But letting yourself feel those things and acknowledging those emotions and where they're coming from helps validate what you're going through and gives you that information to move forward. So I, th I would say that's like a really important one. Like, It is absolutely okay to feel whatever emotion it is you're feeling. And with that, learn from it, like see what you can, you know, where it's coming from, why you're feeling that way. Um, and I think one way to do that also, so like maybe a number two on this would be acknowledging that emotions and then expressing them to someone that you trust, to a therapist, to a loved one, like someone that you can of like being able to express them helps us to release them. Um, and so doing it intentionally, I think everything with intention is important here where if we're doing it, to badmouth someone or to like trash them, it's not going to help heal us or them. But if we're doing it to help release what we're feeling and feel it more deeply, then that is healing, right? We have to feel it to heal it. The classic tagline there. Um, and really this is a hard one, especially I'm like, I would be careful like this. This doesn't necessarily apply to abusive situations where like, trying to put yourself in their shoes. Like there's no time when abuse is okay. And I will never say otherwise, like, and it absolutely has nothing to do with you. 
Like you don't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. It is not your fault, right? That's, that's not okay. Um, but in, in other times where, you know, a parent, right. To a child or said something that hurt where they probably didn't intend, like they weren't thinking, ha I'm going to hurt my child with what I say here. Right. Most of the time, that's probably not the case. So trying to, trying to, as much as you can put yourself in, in those shoes can be a helpful thing, right? I say, it's not a one size fits all fix for this, but it can be a helpful way to work through that. Um, and then like deciding to forgive forgiveness is a choice and it is like a timeline type of thing of you can choose to do it or not. You can call it letting go. You can call it, you know, moving forward, whatever you need to for, for you. Sometimes forgiveness has a, a kind of an annotation to it that like you have to give them something you, you give them forgiveness. And so if that doesn't work for you, then call it whatever you need to, right? Like let it go to move forward for you, not because what they did is okay. And not because you need to let them back in your life, reemphasizing that, but do it for you. And then focusing on like the future, right? Where there are so many good things to come because you as a person deserve it because you're a good human. You've put in the work. You're trying to become a better version of yourself and people that are doing that deserve happiness and deserve to be loved. And it is absolutely out there coming for you. And we have to remember that and we have to hold on to that hope. It's a great segment. Um, do you have future plans that you'd like to, anything you'd like to share with our listeners, some of the things you'd like to do professionally? Um, um, I don't want to put you on the spot now. You have to do the things you might mention. <laughs> no, it's probably good for me to feel accountable. I, I have big plans of, I mean, everyone, this is cliche. Everyone says like change the world, right? <laughs> but I have big plans of sharing love and inspiring love and kindness with the world. And I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to help continue to push that. And there are so many good things out there amongst the, the terrible things right in the world. And if we, 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 we can't be, we can't completely block out the, the bad things that are happening. Right. We need to understand that like these things are happening so we can support, you know, people through all the hard times, but creating a space for you where, I mean, I think of it as like a buffet, right? If there's a buffet and we love pizza, and there's like anchovies there. We're not going to eat the anchovies just because they're there, right? We're going to eat the pizza and the pineapple and the whatever else we love that helps us feel good, that adds value to our life. And with social media, and I'm making a list here on my fingers, by the way, everyone listening, but like with social media, with TV, with what we read, what we do, like who we interact with, all of those things, we can choose what we consume, what we take into our life. And if it doesn't add value to your life, if it doesn't make you want to be a better person and treat other people better, then let's take a second and take a step back and, and reevaluate and unfollow the things that don't make us feel better, the things that we feel jealous of or make us feel like we're less than. And let's think about the relationships we have. Like, is it something that I'm holding on to just because it's comfortable and safe? And by safe, I mean like the future is scary but there's so much better out there. Like we, we don't owe anything to anyone. And so if we, if we hold on to something thinking that we owe them a friendship or owe them a follow on Instagram, then we're going to be stuck consuming things that aren't good for us. And so my invitation, I guess, kind of a final thing is go through and do a little bit of a, a cleansing, right. And just cater your life, set yourself up for success and for happiness by letting go of the things that don't serve you. And I don't mean like physically serve you, but things that don't help add value to your life that don't inspire you to be a better person and don't help you try to be kind to other people. And I promise you that as you do that, you will see a change in your life. Your quality of life will enhance and your love for yourself and for other people will grow. It's really powerful. Um, I'm just so moved, you know, I'm listening to a 29 year old. Um, and I just, you know, Zach probably doesn't want me to say a bunch of kind things about him because he's not the kind of guy, but I think, you know, younger people give me hope for the future of our world. 
um, with the work they're doing in so many ways and the skills they're developing and the insights and um, they have an interaction with a lot of people outside of an, at least the cl- kind of tighter circle that I had at Zach's age. And and then this desire to bless the lives of others. Um, and in Zach's case, to make that a career. And this doesn't mean everybody needs to become a therapist. Neither Zach or I are saying that. But the other thing I like about Zach's story is, and I think this is good for younger listeners, is you've taken sort of this way you're wired of kindness and love and wanting to do that, plus your background of loving the outdoors and the river. You could be the Patagonia um, poster boy just because of where you live. And at least what my sons tell me about Patagonia and the clothes my sons wear, you remind me of my son Matt that way a little bit who's an outdoors guy. Um, But you've taken these different loves, these different gifts you've had and have kind of brought them together in a way that is very intentional. And that's easier said than done for some people. But And you're also kind of writing your own story in a really unique way. There's a lot of potentially cultural like or voices around, but I think you do a really good job of just saying, this is who I am and I'm owning who I am and I'm going to help other people do that. And I have these gifts and interests and skills and I want to, in a very intentional way, um, chart my life consistent with those. And, and so I think that's a great part of your future. And, you know, you could be on this podcast at 50, I'm talking about all this stuff, but you are 29. And so you've got your whole life ahead of you to do got this foundation, you know, laid that allows you to do the work you're doing. And that's true for all of you listeners. Just, you know, sometimes you do get a more public um, platform to do your work, but I'll tell you the real work is done in that high school hallway conversation that Zach mentioned earlier. We can all do that. We have no idea what it can mean to somebody. It may just be the person as we're checking out, we notice their name and we call them by name. We even comment on the spelling or how much we like that name or their smile or there's just, that's, we can all do what happened in that high school hallway. That meant so much. And most of the time, some of the time we'll get to hear the rest of the story. And like Zach was able to have, but most of the time for Zach and for all of you out there, we won't hear the rest of the story. We won't ever know what that kind thing meant to somebody. And like Zach says, there's so much pain out there that we're not aware of. I mean, our congregations and our families and our friends and that kindness and love. I love this quote from Thomas Merton. I drug it out of my pile of quotes. I haven't read it in like 200 episodes. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they're worthy. That's not our business. In fact, it's nobody's business. What we're asked to do is love. And this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. And I just believe in the you know, our responsibility um, to love others and help others and bless others. Unless, as Zach pointed out, it's a toxic relationship. We have to have boundaries. That's um, really an important thing. Um, I have a confession to make, Zach, since you're... Um, since you were in Moab right now, I drove, my son took an internship in Dallas and he wanted a car out there. So I said, I will drive with you to Dallas from Salt Lake City. And as we drove through Moab, he said, Dad, how many times have you been to Moab? And I said, this is the first time I've been to Moab. So here I am. You'll have to come down. 63-year-olds live, living in Utah for 90% of my life. And I've never been to Moab, and I know our son Matt and his girlfriend were down there visiting you, and they love that part of the world, and so many people love that. So I love where you are and what you're doing and the work you're doing, and um, we'll link in the show notes to, you know, unless Zach sends me some more after the podcast to his Instagram account, um, follow that Instagram account and share that Instagram with others. It's not complicated. It's just short messages that are really important messages um, and have really helped me. Anything you'd like to say in closing, Zach? Um, my, I guess a final thought would be, I, I was reminded of this as you were talking, where 
when you when you get to the end of your life the odds are good that no one will remember how you dressed and what you wore and even what you did for work but they will remember how you treated them and that is something that everyone can be and everyone can do in in a world where we compare ourselves with so many people and so many things and feel like we're not good enough kindness is all that really matters love is all that really matters and at the end of the day thinking to yourself at the end of our lives if we looked back was i kind to people and if we're able to say yes then we have accomplished more than anyone else thank you zach um hazlett for being on the podcast your work your great heart your voice um using the gifts that god's giving you to bless others and thank you our listeners for listening um and just invite you to act on the impressions you felt to mostly to be kinder to yourself. Um, this is not like a checklist of things you got to do to bless other people's lives. Maybe this is more of a podcast of just what you've got to do to be kinder to yourself. Cause I think your older selves, just like Zach talked about would be a lot kinder to our younger selves. So extend that kindness to yourself now. So this is Zach and Richard signing off from another episode of listen, learn and love. Thank you.